Day two, Radio Row, NFL Combine, Indianapolis. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman with you on the Hoffman Show, where we're streaming live on the free Odyssey app and on YouTube as well. And Ben Standing is with us off the top of the show. How are you, sir? Well, that bite you just dropped where I say yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm 100 because you guys didn't know Days and Confused. Yeah. I feel that physically. 100 d- days d- confused or all of the above? Well, but yeah, I feel 100 and I have Days and Confused. This is day four for me here. Uh, obviously, it's covering football, so it's fun. This isn't real work, but it's a lot on your. It's a lot. Going well, I feel on. like this is also like this is your. I was like, oh, this is Ben Standing's place. Like this is where he thrives. But like, you've done such a good job over the years of like getting into the information exchange business and, and breaking news and getting to know agents. And like, this is the place where you build that stuff. So I'd imagine this is a very busy week for you. <laughs> there is that. You know, obviously, we would all whether Washington was picking second or twelve or twenty six. We're all curious what's going to happen. But when it's two and it's quarterbacks, it is right. relentless. Plus, because, like, everybody is off them. It's not just us locally. Everybody's talking about them. So, like, the, the idea of trying to find information on that is, I think it adds a bit more. So, I want to circle back to the second. I will let the audience know. We were originally scheduled to have Ian Rappaport from NFL Network on to join the show today uh, right off the top. He got pulled into something. We're going to talk with Ian, I think, next week. Um, so, if you tuned in for that, that is uh, that is not going to happen today. But uh, we do have a bunch of great guests throughout the show, starting with Ben right now. And actually, I'm curious to ask you a question that I was going to ask Ian as someone who trades in this information space. And obviously, I'm not being like, all right, Ben, tell us all your sources and how it's all going. But like regime to regime here and you've covered multiple Washington regimes now and and now with Quinn and Peters in this era like one when you talk to people around the league how different are the conversations and two like how different is it getting information out of this buttoned up seemingly professional uh, operation versus the varying uh, levels of professionalism we've seen in Washington over the last three decades (laughs) right well I will say to this regime like I think the Ben Johnson situation is a good example of how they have been good about keeping information tight. I think one of the things that happened with that Ben Johnson situation was they weren't talking. And I remember, like, as the the noise kept getting louder and louder, I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but then I would pay attention to what other reporters, even national reporters, were saying. And they were like, nah, there's not much. But because it was this vague Ben Johnson, it then intensified because it was the only thing out there so my point is to say that they have done a pretty good job i mean i don't think there's any any there's no been real speculation about what they're going to do if it is drake mayor or jay Daniels, who would they pick do they want to trade up for one so i think that's been a challenge I mean, good for them from a if you're a fan of the team you want them to right. just keep we all want information but we also don't want it because that means <laughs> it's leaky and that everyone else knows too right 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 yeah. and what was sorry what was your uh well, just like also, you know, I experienced this for years, right? It, it, when I was on the beat and I would come here and, you know, you, you meet people. Sure. And especially at that oh, point, I was younger in my career, vibe, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, who are you? I'm Craig. I cover Washington. And they just give you that. Oh, how's that going? And you're like, it's well as you think it is. What are those conversations like this year for you? Well, you know, to be honest, like when, right, when you would have that conversation, it was a, I, I'm not a big fan of small talk. So <laughs> this was a great icebreaker. You can immediately come in with any kind of joke you want. You know, how's life going? Well, I cover the Washington Commander, so, you know, yeah. how good do you think things are going? You know, right. um, But, yeah, generally speaking, it has all been much more positive. You know, that's why, again, just to go back 
to the Ben Johnson thing, people were viewing it as like a, a negative that they, you know, that the A didn't get the guy and how it all went. And I was like, I think this is, again, an example of things that were beyond, either A, beyond their control or misperception. Um, obviously, and here's the other thing. People were like, oh, they couldn't get Ben Johnson. They got Adam Peters. They got the guy who was the number one GM draft pick to, to, to pick them. He didn't even take other interviews. That says a lot about this group. And the fact that Josh Harris has been an owner is still an owner, obviously, in other leagues, but he's already been an owner before doing this. You know, there is a track record there. This isn't as we see with guys like David Tepper, like Dan Snyder, who hadn't done any of this before. And they come in like, oh, my God, what a toy I have. How do we do this? And that's where you, you tend to see things go more haywire. So, yeah, in general, I think they're pretty good. I, like, with free agency coming up, I don't – there won't be free agents going, I don't want to play in Washington because of it. They are crazy. It'll just be, you know <laughs> – I don't but, but more money somewhere else or more money. Fit, yeah, or, maybe they're a couple years away. I'm a little older. Right. I win now. Yeah, right. Right. The, the normal usual football the, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ben standing of the athletic with us live here in Indianapolis on radio row at the NFL combine. So the, I've taped a couple of our interviews already for today and some stuff that we'll uh, play for the audience on Friday, Ben. And I think the kind of one of the themes that's emerged for me today is I am less convinced that those top five 100 picks, they're going to pick in those spots. I, I do feel like there's going to be some movement, and it seems like there are more people that are open to even trading either up or down from two. Nevertheless, what you could do, uh, maybe getting back into the first round with some of those other picks. Like What, what have you heard? Uh, and then also kind of where do you personally sit on that? Because as we've talked about, I don't know Washington knows. So anything we're hearing is just kind of like, the value of those things around the league, but you hear a lot of that stuff. So we're comboing of your own personal opinion and, and the knowledge that you have, where do you sit on that? So, you know, for me personally, I, I like when you have a pick that you can trade down, uh, that makes sense for you, not just because it's any kind of a value pick, but just like the idea that, uh, it's in a certain range or, you know, whatever. So they have like two picks at the beginning of the second round. I like the idea of taking one of those picks, especially if the other, if these quarterbacks fall a little bit, the Michael Penix, the Bo Nix, and people are interested, because that's where you can get people to say, I'll give a little, a little more perhaps, and then constantly have each adding more to each year. So right now, like we talk about how many picks they have this year. Right. But now you can you add more to next year's? And if you can continue to do that year over year, you're always going to be ahead of the curve. And then when there's those opportunities for you to take, three picks and decide to move up right now you have that uh ammunition so yeah i would probably imagine we'll, we'll, they would pick some trades um again that's what's so fascinating though about this group we don't know adam peters we can people can speculate all they want he's not actually done he's not been in the main seat before maybe he's, and when he was in the second seat they did everything in san francisco they traded up they traded back they traded you know picks for the future they got picks now like they did everything right they were aggressive in free agency they found value plays etc so we don't know what, what what he wants and then same thing with josh harris like does he put his thumb on the scale here at some point and say hey i, I kind of want do more to, to to fans are not through happy you know with not that it's his fault but they haven't had no winning record since 2016 no playoffs since 2005 or no playoff wins since 2005 let's what can we do to, to get going more now who, who 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 can say? But yeah, I mean, I would imagine Harris is an outside the box thinker. You mentioned Peters came from San Fran, 
who was not afraid to be aggressive. So uh, it, it, it won't stun me at all if they are a team that's moving around, whether that's up or back, we'll see. But I, I, I would be kind of surprised if they didn't do something like that. How split has opinion been amongst the people that you've talked to out here about the quarterbacks? Uh, I'm going to go one through four now. I've heard enough people are at least willing to say that McCarthy is closer to Daniels than Daniels is to May. Um, that I feel like I need to include him in this discussion and potentially even for Washington. Like, how varied have you gotten opinions on Caleb through J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I, I, uh, it's about a week or so ago when I started hearing that J.J. McCarthy was closer to the top three than the perception was uh, being discussed. I don't know if we're ready to say he's in the mix for two. But in terms of just being somewhere in the top 10, I do, you know, if you said to me, oh, you know, would you bet there will be four quarterbacks in the top 10 or not? I think I would kind of bet it. Because even yeah. if even if Giants at six, Titans at seven, Falcons at eight pass, you've got the you got the Jets at 10 just in case they want somebody younger for Rodgers, 11 Vikings, 12, uh, 12 Broncos, 13 Raiders. I could By see- the way, just, just to put a pin in that, McCarthy who I, I have no problem with uh, him grounding before games and taking the shoes off and the barefoot stuff. But you get you get that with Rodgers. <laughs> what a quarterback in New York. Ben, how do we make this happen? What manipulation do we need to do to get J.J. McCarthy and his zen, grounded, feet in the grass with Aaron Rodgers, his ayahuasca, and whatever else Aaron Rodgers does? Right. I don't know if there's like a, a spiritual channel on the uh, some streamer, but the, 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 that, that would be a good uh, – that, that could be a good sponsor. Amazing. God, I can't believe they wasted hard knocks on the Jets last year. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was asking you a much more important question. Yeah, no, no, it's important. Um, so – yeah, I mean, so I, I, I could see four of them going um, in the top ten. But in terms of the May and Daniels thing, I do think it's interesting, right? So if you look at the public big boards, your Dane Bruglers, our guy, people like that, m- most of them seem to have Drake May ahead of Jaden Daniels. I saw Mel Kuyper had a new mock draft where he had Daniels to May 3 in his mock. But, okay, seems to be that way. But when I... But with like from a passion standpoint, I feel like I get more people passionate about saying Jaden Daniels now mm. versus me. Now that may be because he, what you just watched, was more impressive. His last season wins the Heisman, obviously. Whereas Drake May was a little more. Well, it wasn't as smooth. He had some rough games here and there, and partly because he didn't have as much help at Carolina this past year, similar to the way Sam Howell didn't his last year. They had a lousy defense, things like that. So. I think there's a, I think there's a uh, there's a lot to like physically and athletically with Drake May. He's got the size like six four. He looks like people have made like, the athletic comparisons to like a Justin Herbert. So I think there's a lot there. But uh, I, I, he hasn't played a lot. Also, he I mean, he started the last two years. He's he's played half the games that Jaden Daniels has in college, and maybe that's almost goes against Jaden Daniels. I was going to say, I until, feel like that can cut both ways. Right, because until this last year, he was, you know, we wouldn't be talking about him other than maybe like a day three, take, right. a, take a flyer. So um, I, I think that is just a really interesting battle. And it's, I think a lot's going to, you know, I mean, obviously this is all projection, but it's going to come a lot to, you know, what your system is, what do you think makes the most sense. Even here, Kayla, uh, Drake Mays at Carolina played essentially a system that was similar to what Cliff Kingsbury has done right. historically. On the other hand, Jaden Daniels' dual threat sort of ability, some people think is the better fit for what a Cliff Kingsbury team would be. Where does Cliff Kingsbury think about this? Well, right. that's obviously 
what we or all want Or is he just know. like, I worked with the guy that I actually want last year. What do we have to do to trade up to one? I'm going yeah. to go knock on Adam's door every day until he does it. Yeah, um, I think it's fascinating. I think what Poles said about, you know, the fact the fact that we're going to have clarity on this before March 10th, I think, is huge, too. Like, I mean, if we know basically that Washington, and this hasn't happened in years, where you have, like, remember they used to negotiate the quarterback contracts before, before it was all slotted? Yeah. Right? Like, there were years that you would know the first two picks because those guys had basically signed contracts. Like, they had agreed to terms before the draft, and... You know, if there's no mystery about it, we could know by April if and, and I'm sure that Peters will try to keep it close to the vest in case some team wants to throw some crazy offer out there. But we could kind of know that it's one guy or the other because Washington or because Chicago is going to either trade fields or not. Assuming they don't, we know they're going to draft Caleb. And then all of a sudden the mystery kind of goes away because Washington is the de facto number one pick minus the fact that the guy that would like is already gone. The, the Justin Fields thing is interesting. Like you would logically think they're going to move him, but if they don't, or if they're still debating, like, to what end? Like, are you going to take that all the way to day, the day of the draft? I guess you could, but then, right. or do you just be like, "Hey, we're keeping Justin. Number one pick is up for sale." Because right. that's that's the move if you're Chicago. Like the, the thing that I've always said for Chicago is Caleb Williams has to go one. It doesn't have to be to you though. Like if you can get down to five or six and still get Marvin Harrison, Roma Dunze, or, or Malik Neighbors, and put that guy with Justin Fields and DJ Moore, like, that's pretty formidable. Well, and, and this is the other thing, right? There's a world. This is the world I want to see. The Bears trade from one to two. Not because I want Caleb Williams Washington, but just from the Bears' perspective. They get all the stuff whatever Washington would give them. Then they go to New England, picking third, and said, hey, they, we got people, like, if, if New England walks one or the other, Right, we we, there, we got other people who are willing to move up. New England then does that, and then if they go crazy and say we still have Justin Fields, we're we're kind of okay with that. Let's trade again. Like they could have an, an insane haul. It's a yeah. rare opportunity for a team to be able to control not just one draft but multiple drafts to this degree. Yeah, I um, and by the way, they are also controlled last year's, which is why they're in the <laughs> position to do it this year. Um, I also have that like draft just dream that Washington can do that to New England and I pitched it to Field Yates who obviously is, is very connected up in New England and he demolished it just took a sledgehammer to my dreams and I was like cool thanks Fields uh thanks thanks for that uh so I'm not getting my hopes up but I am with you that I hope that Washington could do that same kind of thing and still get the guy that they ultimately want at three plus a little draft capital uh, ben Sandig from The Athletic is with us here on The Hoffman Show. The other big story that I feel like has emerged this week that I think you would have really interesting insight into is the Howell trade proposal, which at first I just blew off as like, that's crazy. But the more I think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense that if you're going to draft a quarterback that you'd want a more veteran QB in the room. Now, you also have, you know, assistant quarterbacks coach and David Blau, who is in some ways is that. You kind of bring him in as a coach, but it's not the same when it's a coach versus a player. Do you think, like, what is Sam's value, do you think, around the league? And, you know, as much as we want to say, like, oh, he's better than Trey Lance, so we should get a higher draft pick in return. Like, what's the scenario where someone would actually give up some major draft capital for Sam Howell? You know, Obviously, the the season imploded the way that it did. But when yes. they were four and five, or you know, when he when he helped them beat New England, and obviously New England not good either. But whatever. Right. The, the last time they won a football game, when right. we last met our heroes, <laughs> right, exactly. But like at that point, I was like, okay, we have seen enough. 
or I could say you could go into next season with Sam Howell. Maybe he's the answer. Maybe he's not. But you can go into the season thinking there's more here to get to. Yep. And then they lose eight in a row, and all of a sudden they're picking two. And because of that, I think we've just all sort of moved on. Like, okay, well, clearly all of these guys are going to be viewed better than him. And that's the case. That doesn't change, though, that Sam Howell still is intriguing. Now, we, you know, we've all had the, qu- the question of well, what fell apart last year. Was it Sam Howell, the, the league figured him out? Was it Eric Bieniemy's offense? Was it because the defense was just such a mess? Everybody knew they were all going to get fired, whatever it was. I think there are teams who still th- think that Sam Howell is interesting, that they did see enough to say, okay, again, maybe he isn't the answer, but maybe at a minimum he's that higher-end backup. And, you know, I, I'm making this up, but, like, if you're a team like the Rams or the Jets, you've got older quarterbacks, you don't need them to play. You can do the right. development thing, but but a, but also like if your guy, which like Stafford and Rams, is the team I brought up earlier this week, doing this hypothetical because Stafford gets hurt every year, and if you're battling the Niners and the Seahawks, and and you know we'll see what the Cardinals are this year, but you're battling those teams in the division, or you're battling for a wild card spot, going two and one in a three game stretch where Stafford is hurt versus one and two could be you in or out of the playoffs. A hundred percent. That's the thing. He you know. Sam Howell showed Lester he's not afraid. He showed a lot of toughness, right? Because, you know, all the sacks, he never missed any time because of injury. Uh, so I think there's, I think he does have value. And, you know, this draft, you get past the top five guys, you know, maybe there's like a six in sort of the middle rounds that, for Washington's perspective, we're just kind of not paying attention to. But same deal every year. You're taking a complete flyer on guys, and it's, it, you're taking flyers on the guys who even at number one. But in terms of just being able to play in the league, it, 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 the diminishing returns comes goes over time. Think about the Sam Howell's draft. Desmond, it's, I don't want to, Ben. Well, it's terrible. But something. But Desmond Ritter is already basically kind of out of the tourist him. Pittsburgh is Kenny Pickett, the guy that they, they didn't even put him back in the lineup last year with Mason Rudolph. Right. Matt Corral has already been uh, cut. The obviously yeah. Brock Purdy. He's still in the league. I don't know. I don't. I don't either. Um, yeah, Purdy. But, Purdy worked out. You know, Bailey Zappi is sort of in that howlish range of like, yeah, he's shown some stuff, but who knows? Um, but yeah, so like you just, you know, the fact that he's already, he's not proven, but you can already say, okay, I think Sam Howell can play in this league. And that's not something you can say definitively about a lot of guys. So that's why I do think he has some value. And as much as like I was saying last year, I wish they would have traded Jacoby Brissett at the deadline, not because I don't like Brissett, but because you knew he wouldn't be around. Like it's no lock he would be here. So just get value for you can but the argument was no no no. we want it, that veteran guy in the room okay well so if that is a value sam howell is not going to be helping right Jaden daniels or drake may right like, and i feel like it's i mean i feel like it's extra awkward with may oh, because awkward. they've shared a room before like i mean they're they're friends but i actually don't know that that's the best thing for for either of them um last thing for you uh, ben standing with us here on radio row uh, of course, from the athletic, uh, doing great work all week. Uh, very busy man. Uh, although today, today is not quite as busy for you. Thank God. Today's your recovery day in the middle of the week before the workout starts. There, there's no, there's no, uh, yeah, no Peters, no Quinn talking today. There's literally a literal handful of coaches and GMs talking. So not much on that. Players, some of them went this morning. More tomorrow. But yeah, today is all right. Where are we at? Let's figure yeah. out. Let's, what, let's talk to What people. day is it? Which way is up? Why did the temperature drop 30 degrees? Oh, uh, for real, though. Yeah, I, I might have to get into the weather uh, here in Indianapolis later on in the program. I was I was very upset when I looked at the forecast <laughs> last night. Uh, but I want to wrap up. Uh, free agency uh, a couple weeks away now. 
rumors start to fly, things start to fly here. And, you know, Quinn and, and especially Peters the other day were basically like, we're not going to spend big money. And I'm like, you got to spend big money. You have so much of it. What, what do we think that this free agent class ultimately, generally speaking, looks like for Washington? So we know the needs, right? Put quarterback aside, both sure. lines, uh, linebacker, tight end. Are you replacing Curtis Samuel? Are you replacing Antonio Gibson? Are you replacing Cam Curl, Kendall Fuller? So they have a ton of needs. I mean, that's, that goes without, uh, without saying. I think the position I'm most intrigued by is the edge rusher because, as we know, they traded away yes. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and everybody else is a free agent. So other than K.J. Henry and Andre Jones, they literally have nothing at that spot, and that's not nearly enough. This draft, though, is considered to be fairly weak at this spot. Once you get, like, for where they're picking the second round, they, they may be having to take a big reach on anybody just to pick at 36 and 40. So that leads to the question of, well, do you address this in free agency? Now, the guy who's arguably the number one free agent is Brian Burns from Carolina. It seems like they may tag him. Yeah. I mean, Dan Morgan, their GM, basically said as much the other day. He's like, if it comes to that, we'll do it. It's like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, thanks for letting us know he's not going to be on the market. Right. So so to that end, like, I don't know what they do at that spot. And that's why you wonder, like, a guy like a Bry uh, Bryce Huff with the Jets yeah. who had, you know, like a lot of sacks while playing in a backup role. Do they, it, it feels like if they're going to spend on one spot, that's the one I do kind of wonder about. Again, they need offensive line. We all get that. But the way the draft projects, they will have options in the second round, like guys who people are pretty excited about. Um, same thing with you know with, with cornerback. Uh, if they wanted a receiver, which I wouldn't take one in the second round, but okay, that's a yeah. Play. There's a ton of them. But the the, the the edge rusher though, and and here's the thing, right? If you got if you if you could figure out a a, a, a real edge rusher to go with Allen and Payne, you say you would then bring back James Smith Williams, who was the starter for the majority of that 2022 team that was a top 10 defense, all of a sudden your line could look pretty good. And then, of yeah. course, the line makes everything else look better. So it, it, it is a position where, it, to me, it kind of makes sense to spend in part because, again, the draft is maybe not where you're going to get a lot of help. Yeah, it's there's a couple guys in the draft that are interesting, but the chances that they dropped, and you know some of those guys are having really good, like, whatever this season is really good combine seasons like Darius Robinson out of Mizzou is right. like the guy that Logan is in love with and he's like every every person that sits down in that chair that's a draft guy I'm like is Darius Robinson gonna make it they're like no I didn't even ask some of the guys today because I just I know at this point like prepare to be disappointed at 28 when he goes but, he's not making it until 36 but you're right him chop Robinson from yeah. Penn State those are like the two guys that I feel like are sort of the yeah, how early, if they go earlier, then Washington's going to have a much harder time to get help. If they stay right. there, then they could be the guy. Right, for sure. All right, Ben Sandy, anything in particular you're working on this week that you think people uh, should know? There's a lot of like notebooks and kind of if you want Ben's take on all the big commander storylines, it's there on the athletic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll quarterback. I mean, I wrote about what Peters had to say already, and yeah, certainly it's going to be a lot of, of the quarterback stuff. But I'll talk about all the various topics on the podcast. So. We'll get it in there somewhere, but uh, I, I, my editor would like to know what I'm writing next. I can't even okay. tell him yet. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, check the Standing Room Only podcast, and then eventually if Ben and his editor uh, come to an agreement, you can read his work in The Athletic. When we get back, Lance Zerline, NFL Network. He's a big, big Jaden Daniels guy. Find out why next. Zoffman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app here in Indianapolis on Radio Row, streaming live on YouTube as well at the Team 980, where you see Lance Zerline, uh, whose work 
I, Lance, when I've been teasing you coming on this week, I've said you've read Lance's work whether you know it or not. Now, some people <laughs> might read your mock drafts and stuff, but if you go to NFL.com and read like the player bios, that's you. That's me, and some people will aggregate it. Some people will quote it in articles, and they'll say from NFL, NFL.com rates this guy. Well, I do. I don't necessarily speak for Daniel Jeremiah or, or anyone else, <laughs> uh, although the, if they were smart, they would just You clearly speak for the entire mind. league, the league office, yeah, right? Exactly. That's you got the shield so, on the shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's, it's always been great. I think you always do such a good job of kind of laying out the pros and the cons of different players, and, and that insight's always really helpful for those of us that are playing catch-up who spend our, our, most of our days covering the NFL during the year. And then it's, it's hard like, oh. to transition from NFL to college. Yeah. It's a, it's a quick turnaround. It is, for sure. So uh, the other uh, thing that, that people might not know, unless they've read your latest mock draft, is that you, sir, are now all of a sudden an exception when it comes to the Washington Commanders and that second overall pick. Everyone has seemingly swung back to Drake May, but your latest mock that I saw had Jaden Daniels going to two. Are you generally a Jaden guy over a Drake guy? Are you a, I think it's a better fit? Like, why why no, I'm why a Jaden guy over two? a Drake guy. Okay. I just think the tape, I listened to the tape, and, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury would, would dislike either one of those quarterbacks, but I think the polish, uh, we're talking about a five-year starter in Jaden Daniels. He's just more polished. I think he's worked out some of the kinks over his five years. He is a legitimate dual-threat quarterback and the rare dual-threat quarterback that is you know about as talented throwing the ball as he is running the ball. Most of them skew towards the run over the pass. He's that guy that kind of balances it out. So, you know, if he was 220-some-odd pounds, I think we'd be talking about Jaden Daniels potentially as the number one pick. But he's not. He's a thin guy, so you have to work through him being a runner and who leaves the pocket a little quickly sometimes and, and doesn't always slide. So you, you have to work through that. But I think Cliff Kingsbury will take a look at Jaden Daniels and what he does as a passer, and I think he'll, I think he'll come away at the favorable review. Drake May has a lot of talent. And a lot of traits, but there's still, I mean, there's still work to do with touch, with accuracy, and that bothers me a little bit when you're throwing in space to moving targets. You need to be able to throw with better ball placement and especially better touch. Yeah, it seems like his footwork gets a little sideways sometimes too. He just loses it for stretches of games mm -hmm. where Daniel seems to be a little bit more on time. I, I've tended to be more of a Jaden guy throughout this process um, as well. And, and the, the one thing that I think also a lot of people poke holes in that I'm curious to, uh, to get your take on is the lack of throws over the middle of the field. It's so important in the NFL. And I'm like, well, if I had you know, the two dudes that Jaden's got on the outside, I'd be, yeah. I'd be throwing it out there too. Do you see enough of that on tape, though? Do you see enough of the, the stuff over the middle of the field that it doesn't bother you? Well, you got to remember, I use a program where I tie my – I've got, you know, um, the quadrants of the field. So I, I've got intermediate throws. So I will go – one of the first things I do will take all the intermediate throws. So I'll look at everything from 11 to 20. And I look at, at all five sections outside the numbers uh, from the hash. Right, to numbers, the numbers to hash, and then, hash, and then to hash to hash. And then other side. So I look at all five. So I'll look at all those throws. So whether he did it a lot or not, I'm going to go look at all the, the throws he did make. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the throws that bother me. Um, he left a lot of throws behind wide receivers, throws that need to be completed. They're not the hardest throws. He he struggled on some some shorter throws with with. Um, you know, taking a little pepper off of his throws. And so for me, it's, it's, those are pro throws, in my opinion. Those are the anticipation throws you get. Those are the throws where you're getting crossers and dig routes where you have a little smaller window to work with. You got to be able to work between linebackers and safeties. And I think it's one of the reasons I gave uh, Drake May a boomer bust grade is that, you know, I, I, I don't see it enough right now, but it's not that he can't do it. If he does do it well, 
he's got a chance to really boom. And like what about, he's, he's got yeah. a lot of talent, but the floor is a little lower on him. What about for Jaden in that that intermediate area? Jaden's not. It's not a problem for him. Now he had some special wide receivers with Brian Thomas Jr. and um, uh, Malik Neighbors. He actually had three really good wide receivers, so he had a lot of talent to work with, more so than Drake May did, and that's a legitimate. You know, that's a legitimate focus that someone could make. That some could make is that, like Josh Allen, who anytime there's a, a big guy who has accuracy issues, just ah oh, Josh Allen, he'll be fine. Josh Allen, right. Josh Allen's like one of one. Right. Him and Cam, I guess, are the only two that really fit that mold. But um, Jaden Daniels, I saw throw with good anticipation between you know in the zones. I thought he did a nice job of getting through his progressions with with pretty good pace which is something that I didn't always see from Drake May. And I think on tape he was clearly the much more polished quarterback. Now, if we're going to draft everyone based on who they are right now, Jaden Daniels goes ahead of Drake May. But I'll be the first to admit, it doesn't really work that way with a lot of teams. They want to know who you're going to be in three to five years, not who you are right now. Right. Uh, Lance Erline is with us. Of course, NFL Network analyst. You can read his work at NFL.com. Has some other cool stuff going that we'll tell you about here in just a second. Um, when it comes what to... What do you like watching? You obviously watch these guys. Yeah. Let me turn the tables on you. Okay. When you're watching players for, for Washington, first thing I do for a mock draft, so i got to go find team needs. And I typically look at fan sites and newspapers locally because they're going to have the better feel than me looking at a roster. Uh, I also look at, you know... Also, teams, I look at future cap implications because that does play into some drafts. Sure. But when you look at Washington this year, I assume you're looking at quarterback. Who are your next two positions that you're looking at? Uh, it's the trenches, and it's on the edges in the trenches. It's tackle, it's edge. And that's 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 kind of a thing that I've, I've started to think more about this draft. I wonder, do you try to go for one of each at 36 and 40? Do you think the gap is big enough? And I'll turn the question back around to you that I've, I've answered it, uh, yours. Uh but is, is like a Tyler Guyton worth trading up for and you go two for one there where you package 36 and 40 to get back into the back end of the first round for a tackle or, or something, whether if you don't like Guyton, someone else in that range. Nims. Or do you go, yeah. hey, we're going we're gonna to take the best edge available at 36 and the best tackle available at 40 and we'll live with the, with the results there. So it's a precarious spot. It's great to have those picks because you could package them up and move up. There's no question a team would – Love to take those off your hand. It would probably be, you know, it probably wouldn't just be two seconds to move into the first. It might, you know, involve a team giving you back a fifth or something like that. But, sure. Hey, we'll, you know, take, we'll take more picks. Well, so here's my thing. You got some really special pass rushers in this draft. There's, there's uh, four or five of them in the first round that I get excited about. And there's six offensive tackles I get excited about. So if you could somehow take those second-round picks – and you, know, you almost can't get out of the quarterback draft. You almost have to take that quarterback at two. You're stuck. You could trade out, but you'd have to have some balls to do that because and you'd have to really love, for example, maybe a J.J. McCarthy, and you right. say, we're going we're gonna to gamble. Or you just don't like any of them. Yeah. And, and you're like, hey, this is a wild card anyway. I'm, I, whichever one I get, I get. Well, you, you can't So you can't just draft a quarterback because you need one because, as Brian Billick once told me, as soon as you draft a quarterback in the first round, it doesn't matter if it's two or 22, immediately – the clock starts ticking on your job, whether you're a general manager or a head coach, because you got to develop that guy into the next guy. And 
if you don't believe in a player, you get stuck with them. Look at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are now stuck with Kenny Pickett, and he may turn into a good quarterback this year, but he's going to get a third year. So you now are, are, are kind of stuck with a quarterback for at least two, and in most cases three, and in some cases four years. And Chicago's sitting there thinking, man, do we want to go through this the, and try to figure out is this a year Justin finally does it every single step you get closer to a fifth year option which is much more expensive and then have to make a decision on a second contract so if you don't love your quarterback that you're going to draft now I think it too they will but if you don't love your quarterback you really shouldn't you really shouldn't pass up a good football player for a guy that you don't really love you're passing up a guy much higher on your board for a guy at a position of need that doesn't work out well, usually, and it definitely doesn't work out at the quarterback where there's a historic, you know, miss rate. So if, if I'm telling you, okay, they, they're going to go the two swings in the second round. Yeah. Uh, you th- which of those? I think I, I'd rather get into, so I'd or, rather get into, I'd rather get, you know, the first thing I'd want to do is see if I could move 36 into the first and, and take tackle or pass rush if one fell beyond 23. At Texas, uh, I mean, with the Texans, okay. I'd want to do that, and then I'd love to see it if I could. I don't know how many draft picks Washington has this year. Many, and they got five in the top 100. I mean, so. five in the top 100. Listen, I'm playing games with my first three picks. I'm going to get three guys that are. What I would do with my top five, with my five picks in the first 100, I'm looking to get a pass rusher, a tackle, and if that means three in the first round, you don't love it from a future cap implication standpoint in, in, in four to five years, but I also am getting really good football players, and I'm getting big-time core players. You don't see teams make you know, three picks in the first round very often, um, but I would definitely consider moving 40 up, into the first round for a tackle and then sitting there at 36 and see when I get it at the, at the edge rush. So, yeah, I'm, I'm using my draft capital, and I'm going to get the first three picks. I want to be longtime starters for my team. Yeah, and I, I tend to think that that's the way that Adam Peters wants to build it too. Um, but well, you look at the San Francisco model. I mean, yeah. you always have to look at where they came from. And he, you know, he covets rush. He covets D-line um, playmakers. So I wouldn't rule out playmakers for this team because, you know, one thing Cliff – Kingsbury's going to want are guys, and there's certain guys that fit. Uh, you can you can look at Pat. You could look at wide receivers in the second round. I mean, you could go. They could sit tight and look at Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, uh, Ricky Pearsall from Florida. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, Javon uh, uh, Burton. I mean, Javon Baker from UCF, and then Jermaine Burton from Alabama. There's a lot of guys. Adonai Mitchell that Cliff would probably love to have with his quarterback. So that's another position that you could say. Totally quarterback wide receiver and then best of tackle edge and with and with this class of wide receiver if all the the, the edge you know trench guys are gone you feel good that there's going to be a bunch of wide receivers second there. third round great depth at for wide sure. receiver for sure lance Zerline, of course uh nfl network analyst you can see lance on combine today which streams on youtube and the nfl's fast channel thursday to sunday one hour prior to nfl network's coverage each day lance this was great uh hopefully we'll connect in the future appreciate you and uh thanks for stopping by here on radio row appreciate it thanks enjoy the draft thank you we continue from indianapolis next this is the hoffman show on the team 980 and the odyssey app it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are live on Radio Row in Indianapolis, Indiana, home, of course, of the NFL Combine. Uh, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post is making her way over. She'll be with us coming up at 5 o'clock. Uh, Nikki 
uh, wrote a story with Mark Maskey this morning announcing the uh, end of an era. FedEx Field is no more. FedEx pulling its name rights or the naming rights to the stadium and an opt-out clause that was triggered by the sale of the team, and they chose to exercise that clause. Nikki broke that story this morning. We'll get on the inside on that and uh, a little bit more on what we're about to talk about right now, which is the NFLPA player survey. Uh, first first and foremost, we've had guests uh, these first bunch of segments. Anthony, back in back in our D.C. studios, uh, is, is in fact back in our D.C. studios after some days off. And Hi. Hey, Craig. How you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm out here in Indianapolis, a place that you know very well. I do indeed. Uh, yeah, and you were you were with Z the last couple of days. That's why he's not here. You're you're not here. That's why you weren't there. Is you were you were celebrating Zaire. I was indeed celebrating Z4, and uh, yeah, he's not an indie because he's actually back training. Like he got back to work yesterday, I think. I gotta. I'll ask you off air who he trains with. I was. I'm curious because I know a bunch of the strength coaches and a bunch of them are out here. I'm also curious who he trained with pre-draft because um, in my head it might be one of the guys that I know real well. Um, but you know, we can talk about that off air. Anyway, um, and so I. I it's funny because I was thinking, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, wait, I remember last year when that NFLPA survey dropped. It was at the combine, and sure enough, uh, you know, a day later. Out it comes again. All of a sudden, everyone's tweeting about it uh, all morning this morning. And I, I just, I this year, like last year, it was easy to just kind of laugh at it and be like, yeah, this is a huge problem. And of course, it's a huge problem because, um, you know, it it's the ownership group and, and they're in the middle of selling the team. And like, this just proves why they need to do it. And can we get on with it? Like, they, there's so much to fix. And this year, it's like the votes were taken in October. And so there has been renovations made to the stadium and the practice facility already since this happened. And they just announced a whole other round that's going to be done before the season starts. Um, and so some of this stuff, even by the time the players get there in April, is going to be done. Um, the you know Ron Rivera is getting ranked on this. So it's like head coach C. That's not a Dan Quinn ranking. That's a Ron Rivera ranking. And so, so much of this is, I, I think, like, my takeaway from this NFLPA survey where, if you haven't heard, uh, you just, just tuned in because we mentioned it in Trending, uh, the commanders ultimately, like, uh, on the, the composite ranking come in 32nd of 32 teams. Like, it's just a reminder of how much work there is to do. It's not at all actually a reflection on the current organization. My bad. Uh, I had to go get some headphones. Somebody moved my headphones. Oh, did they? Uh, were they sitting in the studio, in, in like the, the the talk studio, the yes. host studio? Yeah, I saw those in there on Monday, the one day that I've actually been in the office the last three weeks. Um, and I was like, are those Ant's headphones? Because you haven't been there either. Yeah, people keep on touching my headphones, man. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to have to – should we just forget the segment and launch an investigation? <laughs> no, we don't have to do that because I already think I know who it was. But, you know, I don't want to air him out. I do. Jeff? <laughs> Jeff Walker, how many times have we got to air you out on the radio? If you're going to take Ant's headphones, put them back. Please. It ain't, it ain't that hard. Anyway, uh, because the speakers work in the studio, you, you heard what I was saying. I think this is a reflection of, of – how much work there is not a reflection of the organization itself yeah um the fact that you know we got to put all this money into you know what's already been there is problematic but it also seems to suggest that 
um, the next stadium, you know, I don't know if it's going to be in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. It's probably going to take some time because $75 million is not, I mean, is a lot of money. So I don't think you're just going to be investing all that money for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, I, some of this money is for Ashburn. But even then, like, I, I still don't think that long-term, like, Ashburn is necessarily going to be their home. Um, mm. I know JP was talking about it this morning on, on his show because I was sitting here as he was doing it, and then we were talking about it uh, in one of their commercial breaks um, as their their table is right behind us here on Radio Row. Um, but, like, that money or that land in Ashburn is worth so much money, Right. It's a tech hub. It's right by the airport. There's a bunch of like really valuable wiring um, that that runs underneath there, like fiber wiring in that area. That for a specifically tech company would be immensely valuable. Like we're talking maybe a billion dollar parcel of land out there. And if you can go somewhere else, imagine what you can build for a billion dollars or for five hundred million dollars as a practice facility. Like you can either pocket or otherwise invest an extra five hundred million, build something that's way nicer than the dump that you're in, you're in right now. Because the the honest to God truth is, and I don't say this to be mean, I say this to be factual. That building sucks, and there's just not a lot you can do with it. It's not a good piece of land. It's like on a hill, the whole deal. So why would you not go somewhere where you can build from scratch something else? And by the way. If you're going somewhere else, you can keep the current facility until you need it. Um, so, or while you're building, because the alternative is like you have to do it all in one off season, and so that's that's actually not ideal either. So I, I do think that ultimately moving out of Ashburn is is the right play. And then with FedEx, um, you know, we know that stadium is going to be something different here in the next couple of years, um, and, and you know the RFK. Uh, thing is moving its way through congress right now and so we'll see but i do think that the 75 million dollars uh is a, a dedication by the the current ownership group to say we are prioritizing getting better as soon as possible even if this is a short-term investment because it's worth it for our players and it's worth it you know in the case of fedex more so for our fans and i think that says a lot about this group yeah i think they're all in on the fan experience and it's and they mentioned it um, in the article that, you know, fans will be able to recognize the differences as soon as they walk into, uh, you know, the arena. And even the parking lot, like, we'll be able to get in and out of the uh, the, the stadium because that's Hallelujah. also a, a huge problem when it comes to, you know, going to going to and from uh, FedEx. I was talking to somebody about that um, at the Burhalter thing when I went and interviewed uh, the U.S. soccer coach and, and some commanders folks were there because that, that game is at uh, what is now formerly FedEx Field. And I was like, you know, I, because I'm media, like my experience going in and out, the times I go to and from games, I just like hadn't experienced it like a like a everyone else does for a long time. And then we went for the Beyonce concert and I was like, this is terrible. Uh-huh. And so the fact that they've already fixed that is uh, are working on. I think they cut like 30 minutes out of that, if not more, last season as the season went, uh, statistically speaking. And then obviously they're doing even more uh, coming up this offseason. All right. Nikki Javala is here. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Come back with her. Uh, huge story today that she and Marky broke this morning about FedEx Field no longer being FedEx Field. How did that go down? Nikki has the answers next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. 
Hour number two on Radio Row. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And you want to know what, Ant? This is our top story of the day. So let's let's run the Not My Beat uh, playbook here because Nikki Javala sat down next to me and she wrote a pretty important story this morning. Um. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. So, Nikki, we were joking before uh, we came back on air here. Uh, last night, I was scurrying to go meet a friend of mine uh, through the, the JW Marriott here at Indy. And I saw out of the corner of my eye you working, on, very clearly working on something yeah. in the corner. And I did not have the light bulb go off that that <laughs> thing that you would be working on would be very relevant to my day, which, of course, it is, uh, until this morning when I saw the story you wrote with Mark Maskey that the commanders uh, are no longer going to be playing at FedEx Field because FedEx is uh, exercising basically an early termination option in their contract that was triggered available by the sale of the team. Mm-hmm. As best as you can tell us in terms of your reporting, how did, how did all of this go down and how surprising is this? Um, I, I think it's, it's kind of surprising and not surprising, right? Um, surprising sort of by the timing. You know, there's two years left, $15 million, which is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the, it certainly would help to have thirty extra million dollars when you, sure, on the day you announced seventy-five yeah. million dollars yeah. of the renovations. I, I would love an extra fifty million that, dollars yes. in my bank account, but sure. you know, relative to you know the total value of a lot of these naming rights deals and you know the amount that that can change in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge dent. Um, but to lose your naming rights partner when you have six, seven, eight, however many years left they have at the stadium in Landover. And also need a stadium rights partner at the new stadium, wherever they're going to be. It's they're in so, somewhat of an uncertain position, you know. Um, so I, I, I think the timing was surprising, um, especially because they had gone 25 years uh, with FedEx. Um, but given the history of, you know, sort of Dan Snyder, his history with the minority owners, there was litigation, um, good number of. You know, so much well documented. (laughs) Yes. Um, And even though Dan Snyder is not the owner of the team, as you mentioned, the sale of the team triggered a provision that would allow uh, FedEx to opt out early um, from the deal. And they they chose that. I believe the deadline was the end of last year. And they they took it pretty much up to the deadline. And I I think it did catch some in the team by surprise. They thought, you know, they were on pretty good standing. Um, So, yeah, they they decided to pull out and yeah now they they have a an old stadium with no naming rights partner and a new stadium wherever it'll be somewhere. a lot of uncertainty there yeah we are uh, we are waiting on uh, news from the rfk bill right. which is working its way through congress right now your colleague sam fortier has been one of the people that's been all over that so i'm sure uh, washingtonpost.com mm-hmm. will have much coverage uh from sam and and uh, nikki's colleagues there mm-hmm. uh as that gets finalized so I, I guess like the, the number one question I thought of after reading the piece this morning is like, could this actually wind up working out for them? Like, is there a way that because, as you mentioned, it's $15 million, which in, in modern naming rights deals, which are a bit all over the place, but still that would they could get more for that if the stadium wasn't in such yeah. a precarious space where they're moving out in a couple of years. But I don't know whether they negotiate some kind of deal where mm-hmm. it includes naming rights for the new stadium or whatever. Right. Like, could is it feasible for them to go, go like, you know what, maybe they just did us a favor? Yeah, theoretically. I mean, that that's about 7.6 a year. It's two years, so $15 million total. Um, you know, and I, I think the average for naming rights 
nowadays there's only two stadiums, two NFL stadiums that don't have a naming rights partner, it's Lambeau Field and Soldier Field. Uh, so it's uh, the two oldest stadiums don't have naming rights partners. But the reason a lot of teams do it is, you know, it's a lot of capital. That, and you need that to kind of reinvest into the stadium and, and maintain repairs and whatnot. Um, so a lot of these deals, the average for the ones that have them, I think it's around like 12 and a half to 13 okay. a year, which is pretty much double what they you know, were getting from FedEx. So, yeah, if they can land another stadium race partner and kind of get it in that ballpark, sure, it could be beneficial because there was going to be a lapse no matter what. You know, this deal expired in 2026. They are not going to be out of um, – the current stadium by then to move into the next one. So there yeah, was what, gonna by be the way, lapse. pause. What do we call it for right now? I'm just calling it the stadium and the Landover. Stadium. <laughs> the stadium and um, Landover. Yeah, I mean, but you know, here's the here's the thing. I mean, like, cover the Broncos for six years. Mm-hmm. Their original, not their original, but the second naming rights sponsor, Sports Authority, a mm-hmm. former. Uh, you know, apparel I, company yes, way back uh, when. Yeah, we. I think any kid who grew up playing sports has been to a sports yeah. authority and just gotten lost in there. Yeah. They went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So, and they, I mean, that, that stadium went without a naming rights partner for, I want to say, two, three years until they landed on Empower, a retirement company. So, you know, it, it depends on the market. It depends on what they're looking for. I think ideally they would probably want to do what Tennessee is doing and they managed to get Nissan on a 20-year sponsorship and Nissan is carrying them through the the rest of the life of the current stadium and then will also be the naming rights partner Mm. of their new stadium that opens in 2027 so I would think that'd be sort of the ideal scenario you get a long-term partner you're getting a pretty sizable return each year um, more than you are now it's just you in and you got to think Nashville is a smaller market than DC, but you look at the state of FedEx Field, you know, and and new ownership to its credit has put in a good bit of money already to try to make some improvements. But it is what it is, right? Um, so I, I think all that factors in, and we'll see if they're able to pull one off. If if you don't get one that carries over, maybe you get a shorter term one. Um, you know, I, I I think ideally you'd like to have one, or you find other ways to sort of make up that lost revenue that you would get from one if you can through you see a lot of teams now like sponsor parking lots or different areas um to get creative but you know that that revenue that 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 helps a ton for teams you know especially with the size of these stadiums and the amount you know that just the capital repairs is can be massive right and if they're trying to make a better fan experience i wonder if like parking comes down and like something you know you're you're shifting revenue and like how you make it can you make it more off corporate sponsors than off your fans directly and uh, if you're missing a $7.6 million chunk of change, like that makes that, that business model a little bit harder. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is a lot of money for any normal person. It's, you know, in the grand scheme, it's not a ton, but yeah, it, it definitely helps to have a naming rights partner. No doubt. Yeah. Nikki Javala of the Washington post is with us. Um, these $75 million upgrades to mostly FedEx, but I think that there's some that got earmarked that, for yeah, Ashburn as well. Some updated amenities that um, at the facility. How, like, what kind of difference does this realistically make for fans and, and maybe more importantly on the day that the NFLPA stuff comes out again yeah. for, for players? Yeah, and this is this $75 million, this includes the $40 million that was also announced earlier. So $35 yeah. million new. New and all of this. The end of my math skills. (laughs) Same, Um, and all of these upgrades will be completed before the 2025 season. So they're putting all these upgrades in this off season and next off season, um, in between concerts and whatever else they have going on at the stadium and facility. Um, 
so I, th I think a lot of it will be noticeable. I think they've made changes to, to parking and trying to make it easier to get in and out of the stadium. They made some already um, with sort of the traffic flow things. Um, they've made upgrades to premium seating areas. Uh, there's like a new field tunnel club. Um, and I think it's maybe more subtle things that you can't see. Like they, there just needs to be some structural improvements to the stadium, which... If you've been to any game, you know there are some improvements that can be made to sure. stop a leak. Because a new one appears at every game, it seems. Yep. Um, and then certainly at the facility, I mean, the NFLPA came out with their their second annual player report cards where players vote on how facilities are, how working conditions are for, for teams. And, I mean, it's not really a surprise that the commanders finished last for the second year in a row and this is not a knock on ownership but more a reflection of just the state of their facilities yeah the way i worded uh my my take on that because i guess that's the business i'm in reluctantly i'm in the take business nikki i it happened it happens, you know, to, all happens of us. to the best of us yeah. um and also me um so it <laughs> you know my, my take on it is that it is a reflection of the amount of work to be done not on the current ownership group these yeah. votes were taken in october yes. um, and how little work was done by the previous regime yes yeah. um and both on football and on right. ownership yeah um how like if, if we're forecasting a year from now like how much can they jump in a year versus how much of this is like a five to ten year project i mean they, they hope to have all these all of these upgrades in this chunk done before the 2025 season um you know and they're they're gonna be it's a lot of money but it requires a lot of money to just make even incremental improvements to the stadium and you want to do enough to make it a, as decent as you can in that facility um, for fan experience, you got to make changes for players too to make it better. Um, I think they do take to heart these NFLPA surveys, and they have made changes since the last one to try to improve that. I mean, we saw a lot of it with training camp and like a separate area for families so they can kind of sort of congregate after practice in a more private area. Um, so I, I think they'll continue to make smaller changes while you know still keeping an eye on the long term and you know where they want to be after this. Nikki Javala, Washington Post with us for another few minutes here on the Team 980. All right, uh, General Combine, uh, this is the question I'm asking every Washington person that sits in that chair, which is okay. when you not uh, not even quarterback stuff or, you know, okay. whatever you're hearing on the, the football side yet, just when you have conversations this year and you meet someone new and you're like, I cover Washington. You know, yeah. I, I know what that was like under the previous regime and yeah, everyone just kind of gives you that. Stare. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you have yeah. a great life, don't yeah. you? How different are the conversations this year? Uh, the first reaction from literally everybody I've talked to is, oh, I really like their hires. I really like their hires. I think Dan Quinn will be good. Or if it's from, you know, agents or other media that have dealt with him, oh, you're going to love DQ. You're, I, Adam's really good. Like, I think he'll be really good for that team. So, yeah, it's a it's a complete 180. Um, you know, it's still kind of built on hope and potential and you hope this sticks, you hope it works, you hope they win. Um, but it is definitely a lot more optimism than years past when, oh, sorry, you're covering your fifth federal investigation, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely different vibes. Um, outside of today where you're dealing with, like, naming rights and PA surveys, it has kind of almost felt sort of like a normal <laughs> team. I'm so scared of doing anything. Um, <laughs> But, like, yeah, we've been covering football and yeah. coaching stuff. And who are they going to draft and quarterback? Ooh. And, like, yeah, wild. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, 
We'll see how it pans out. You always yeah. hope they win the week, and they can the stick week is around. Young. Yeah. The, the, the regime is young. Right. This is the happiest time of year in the NFL. Yes. No, the happiest. It, it Everybody's is. a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender right now. A hundred percent. One trend that I think is interesting this year, and is someone who covers not just Washington, a team that is kind of participating in this trend, but also someone who has great feel around the league, um, so many coaches are skipping out now, and it kind of started yep. with Kyle and Sean a couple of years ago. Washington has none of their assistants here, and DQ basically came to do media. I think he did tell the junkies this morning that he's like going to sit on on some meetings, but yep. like he's he's out of here pretty quick. Um, if he's, I think he's on a plane probably back right now. Right. Um, so, what do you make of that? And is that a missed opportunity where coaches like Andy Reid are like, no, I'm of course I'm here. Like right. I have to talk to the players. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of has their own approach, obviously. And I mean, Washington still has a huge contingent here. Um, but I think the value of the combine, I don't know if it's, it's definitely become more skewed to a TV production. You know, it's spread out. Meetings are later at night just to accommodate TV and to get these yeah. workouts. Well, now and, they and have them in the mornings, time. which is a thing that never yeah. happened before. Right. So, like, the quarterbacks are pushed back in the week to make sure people stay and to, you know, more more eyes. It is a business for the NFL as everything eventually becomes one. Sure. Um, so it's become less about I need to see these players throw or work out because a lot of these drills, as we all know, are not all that translatable to the football field. Um, the interviews are very short. It's like speed dating in a lot of ways. You get yep. 15 minutes. A lot of these kids don't even know what team they're talking to because they're on their 30th of the day or something. Um, so it's so informal and they do it by zoom now, a carryover from the pandemic. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. they can do it in zoom. They can do it in person. So okay. like they have coaches at home that can be streamed in. Oh, wow. Um, okay. so some coaches just see it as a benefit of, you know, let's save the money on the trip. We get to talk to the players and then we'll bring them in on our top thirties and get them more. Um, I think the biggest benefit still to teams is the medical I mean, right. and players, you know, they go through the gauntlet with every bit of testing. And that's where the real value is, I think, to teams because it's the workouts. Okay, fine. You can watch them on TV. You know, more and more players are not really doing all They're of them. They're on tape, which I always just get a great chuckle yeah. out of because I just imagine, like, in the mid, you know, late March, some coach sitting in his office rewinding the three cone yeah, drill. Right. And you're like, right. this is what we're doing to select football right. players? But, like, I guess. I mean, a good 40 time can definitely put you on the map. I mean, Troy Apke, I mean, five years in the league yeah. off that 40 time that impressed Dion. So, like, doing something right. Uh, but, like, you know, I I think I think teams are kind of realizing it is this has become more of a production. They have new ways, more efficient ways of, of getting it done. Um, you know, and I, I think it's they find it better to, to get these players in person, bring them in. A lot of teams, they do it, they do it on top of that. And, you know, it, it, it's different. For every team, I, I do think you're gonna. I think you're gonna start seeing fewer teams send coaches, and I do wonder if fewer players are gonna continue to participate unpaid. If that's yeah. gonna become a thing, I I think it's interesting how it is almost you know people mess this up all the time. Oh, we went the full 360, full 180. It's like no, this no. is actually going a full 360 because. The combine started as a medical test, right. as a way to not have players have to travel. And it's like, right. okay, all the doctors, and then they're One like, stop shop. Yeah, yeah. What, hey, they're here. Let's work them out. Right. Let's let's do this. And now it's like the medical side. There's still so much benefit for the teams. Although I do wonder sure. if players are going to be like, no, you can't take right. me, take me or leave me. Like, how, when do agents start pulling that card? But it really like 
because of the nature of the drills and technology. And also, you know, I think, you know, we talked about this on, on our podcast and stuff with Logan last year a little bit, like the GPS data available now. Yeah. I'd rather know what you run in a football game than what you run in a 40. And right. so the, the amount of data available is just completely changing the evaluation process. And everyone's just chasing the best way to do it. And as more technology yeah. emerges, like that that becomes less and less clear of what that optimized right. thing is. Right. There's more data, and this event has become more of a TV production, right. frankly. Um, so, And will players continue to agree to do it? I mean, I know Marvin Harrison, the report that he's not going to do it. Not everybody can do what Marvin Harrison is doing. Right. He is a complete player, and he's solidified in where he's going to, okay, you know, is a team going to turn away Marvin Harrison Jr. because of that? No. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a player on the edge of going on a certain place, might so it still has value for some players uh and last but not least because i feel rude not asking you at least one football question uh, okay, because you it. do cover football <laughs> on top of all the other things that you do um do you have or have you this week developed any strong feelings in terms of uh where you think they should go it to i know they haven't decided yet so to ask you what you're hearing about yeah. that is like that's silly they don't know yet but for what you've yeah. heard from scouts agents execs whatever do you have any strong feelings no my mind changes pretty much every day sometimes twice in a day sometimes i'm like you know developing i think he would be good some days i'm like throw everything at the bears and try to trade yeah. up i don't think they i don't think they would i don't think the bears would trade down it's just my feeling. Um, some days I'm like, all right, trade back, get another pick. You know, let's yeah. kind of build up the rest. Other days I'm like, let's go get Kirk Cousins. Let's bring him <laughs> back for two, for a couple of years. You know, like let's go. Um, yeah, you miss Kirk. So, <laughs> some of us got I, to cover Kirk. You didn't get. Kirk. I know. I feel like I was ripped off. You never bit, know what so. you get on a Wednesday. Know. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, I mean, this is the beauty of having a number two pick, gobs of cap space, a ton of picks. They could literally go any which way, which. You know, for talk radio, not great because I don't have a definitive answer or opinion for you. I will um, say as the person hosting a show that has been doing mostly <laughs> draft content for two months, it is phenomenal. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know what I would want I, in I'm situation. with you. I change and every I'm, single day. Yeah, and I'm very glad I don't have to be the one picking. Yeah. Um, although, if we were picking, we'd have a lot more data. Because, like, part of yeah. the reason I don't feel like I know is, like, I haven't sat down in a room with Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams. Sure. Like, I don't know how they process football information. I don't know how they process all kinds of stuff that just makes it impossible to, like, have a strong feeling. Does that yeah. stop many people from having strong feelings? No, my YouTube comments are a dumpster fire. <laughs> but, like, it is, it is impossible to look at it just with the tape. And also, I think the other part of this that I really struggle with is I don't know what they're building offensively. Like, right. Cliff, Cliff yeah. going, There's like, hey, this isn't the error yeah. aid. Like, okay, well, then what is it? Because right. it seems like it could go any direction. Right. And I think part of it, too, is, like, even when you do know all that, even when you do have every bit of data available to you, it's still a crapshoot in many ways. Right. I mean, Adam Peters would know as well as anybody with yes. Trey Lance and, like, you know. And Brock Purdy on the and, other and side And Brock Purdy on the other side, yeah. So it's – there is a bit of luck to it, Um even when you know all that you do, I mean, there's not a direct translation from the college game to the NFL game, certainly parts of it, you know, but it is, it is tough. A lot of it depends on, is that player going into the right circumstances with the right coach, the right scheme? It takes a perfect storm and it's, it's hard to hit on. I, and I, I think this is Patrick Mahomes, every bit of good that he's done for the league, just otherworldly player. 
of course every team wants to find that next guy, but he doesn't exist. I think there will be a lot of great players that will be different, but I think the standard is so absurd. Um, and not saying he will be the highest. That's not it at all. There will just be different super high players. But chasing that has made it even harder. I think it's it's definitely created more urgency, especially in the development of young players. If you're not good in year one, you're cast aside. Right. The lucky ones get a second chance, like Jared Goff. Um, coaches don't even get a full season to work with these guys. So everybody is chasing that that. You know, yeah, what you just said about rock. Pat is the thing that I think I'm coming out of this week with, which is I don't know whether it's worth chasing him because he's one of one. And maybe Caleb, yeah. Caleb's the next guy in that tree where, maybe. you know, five years from now, I mean, five years from now, Pat's still going to be 32. So, like, yeah. insanity Crazy. there. But, like, the idea that if you get the quarterback, you got it. Like, no, if you get Mahomes, right. you got right. it. But, right. like, would you rather then be – the Lions or the 49ers with a very well-balanced roster. And, like, the 49ers are Jake Moody missing or getting an extra point blocked right. away from maybe winning that game. Right. Like, that whole game changes on that. So would you rather chase the 49ers model or would you rather chase right. hitting one guy and having him erase all the rest of your problems? Right. And, I mean, the Super Bowl rings would tell you you should go. It's worth it to chase Pat. Right. But, like, people are like, well, what if you land Josh Allen? And I'm like, well, he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. And the question is, do you need to be as good as Patrick Mahomes? Because if right. that's the case, then good luck. Yeah. If that's the case, then nobody else is going to be able to win. And I, I down for believe a decade. that you don't need to be as good as Pat Mahomes to win. I right. think there have been a number of really, really good teams with really good quarterbacks, just not to that level. Right. And the good teams figure out how to way to do that. I think, I think that's like Baltimore is a perfect example. I mean, I know, they haven't won it all right. with but the Lamar, Eagle, but, but it's like the same the model the Eagles used to make the that. Super Bowl. It's the same model yes. the Niners used to make the Super Bowl. Like yes. all the teams that the Chiefs have beaten, and the occasional team like yes. like Cincinnati, who has beaten uh, Kansas City, the only one to yeah. do it really in the playoffs. Like at that point, like Burrow was excellent, yeah. but he wasn't Pat. Right. But their roster was sick otherwise. Yeah. I, just the importance on one position is what makes this league so unique anymore. Yeah. I mean, Andy Reid wasn't regarded as Andy Reid like he is now. He's more like Kyle Shanahan is now. Exactly. Until yeah. he drafted Pat Mahomes. Now, Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Correct. But you need that guy. Not not always to that level, but you need a guy. And it's, you know, we see it in Washington, of course. Yes, where they so, haven't had a guy. 20, how in, many years? I, many I mean, it depends on what who you consider the guy. Was it Doug? Right. I mean, there, you could make an argument that, that Rippon and Williams weren't the guy, and they won Super Bowls right. anyway. Right, exactly. Um, no, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, it takes a perfect storm. You yeah. know, and, and I think the league is a copycat league, but often to a stretch. And never forget that the Chicago Bears' all-time leading passer is Jay Cutler. Yikes. They've been around 100 years. Yikes. Yeah could be worse you could yeah. be the bears uh all right that's nikki javala washingtonpost.com slash sports to read her work or some of you are subscribers to the post and they throw the newspaper at your door uh nikki uh here with us uh on radio row in indianapolis trevor sikama pro football focus sits in that chair next it's the Hoffman Show. We are on the Team 980. We are live always on the free Odyssey app and streaming on YouTube at the Team 980, where you see uh, Trevor Sikama, his very well done hair, very manicured beard, and a reminder that I like to do radio, and then I remember that I'm on video, Trevor. You do this to me every time we sit next to Sorry, each other. you get more sleep than I do. i got to wake up, you know. Two hours early to do the hair. No, not quite. Not quite that. But no, uh, no. it's it's always good to be with you. Got to have friend. a system. 
I do, I, well, I do have a system. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I actually didn't. Start, and that's what we love about you. I actually didn't start blow drying my hair until like a year ago. Let me tell you. It saves a lot of time. Revolutionized. Especially if you have like a good blow dryer. I, I honestly didn't understand how people got their hair to stay in certain spots. And they're like, yeah, you got to blow dry it. I was like, oh. oh. So All right, that's are. our interview. Yeah, okay. uh, We've evolved. Dude, yeah, thanks for most, having me. Appreciate it. It's got the most interesting mock draft of any of them out there, but we're going to talk about hair. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially for Washington, uh, it's funny because I keep looking up, you know, all right, let me double check, make sure this person hasn't put out a new mock draft, whatever. Uh, and every single guest I've had on so far has had Drake May mocked too. Now, Matt Miller from ESPN sat down yesterday and he's like, funny story, uh, if I could do that mock again, I'd have Jaden Daniels. And then I looked up yours, sir, and you, you, you do it the right way. You've got trades in your mock draft. And not one, boys and girls. Trevor Sikkema's got two <laughs> trades for the Commanders in his mock draft. Down to wherever Denver is, and then back up to 10 12. for the Jets. 12 yeah, to down, down yeah. to 12, yep. up to 10. Yep. Ultimately, they get a boatload of picks in J.J. McCarthy. Walk me through the uh, your Adam Peters impression here. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that Washington's going to be open to absolutely everything, right? It is a new everything in Washington, and I think that with it is going to come a willingness to do whatever they think they need to do, new ownership, obviously new coach, new regime, everything, to set themselves up for the future. Now, of course, I think that that probably includes taking a quarterback. You know, I think that they will look at trading up, and the only place to trade up is one spot. I think they will probably call Chicago and see what that price is, see if Chicago wants to move down, see if they have an opportunity to go get themselves Caleb Williams, who would be the hometown kid. Great story. I feel like they are, I I feel as though they are really going to try that, and, and they are really going to try to make that happen. Um, we'll see if it does. I mean, it's, it, the price has got to be worth it, obviously. And then Chicago has to, um, <coughs> excuse me, Chicago would then have to feel good about Drake, May, you know, right. assuming that Caleb's going to go number one. So I think there's some variable things that you got to think about when it comes to what Washington would do to trade up and what Chicago would have to do to trade down. However, I also think that they're going to be in conversation to move back as far as outside the top 10. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do that, right. but I am saying that this regime is going to explore every single option. And let's say Washington gets done with their quarterback evaluation and they go, it's basically Caleb or nobody. And they try to get up to number one. Chicago goes, no, we're sticking with Caleb Williams number one. Well, if they're at number two, maybe they don't want to just pick a quarterback for the sake of picking a quarterback. Maybe instead, they'd rather look at a situation where they go, okay, let's pick another team that is very high on Jaden Daniels, very high on Drake May, and say, let's go get two first-round picks for the next two years and absolutely dominate the top 50 for the next two, three seasons. And they could be in a situation where that's what I did in that mock draft. I explored a reality where Washington would be open to moving all the way down to 12, with Denver, Denver, because I think Denver is going to be one of those teams that's going to be very aggressive to go move up to go get one of those quarterbacks. Right. Drake May could be that guy, absolutely. So they move back to Denver. They get you know three first-round picks for it, obviously 12 being one of them. And then I have them popping up and trading a, a little bit higher up to jump Minnesota at number 11 for J.J. McCarthy, as J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy is still there. So that was kind of my thought process there. Is I think I get some feedback from people that said, hey, if Washington's going to be in on the quarterback class and you're going to have them taking a quarterback at 10, why would they move out at 2? Well, that is my, kind of my explanation to that is maybe they don't love the non-Caleb yeah. It's actually options. about the draft capital. It's not about the quarterback. Correct. And so that is kind of the conversation that I wanted to start about how flexible I believe 
this new commander's ownership regime, everything is going to be. Trevor Sikkim of Pro Football Focus with us here on the Hoffman Show. So I actually really like this, and I realize that I I feel like I'm in a safe space now to explore this thought process because every anytime you say like, you know, any kind of like basically I get the same feedback you do, right? Where it's like, just take the quarterback at two. Why are you overthinking? And this? they might. And, and, you, and like, they you might. don't you don't have the chance to be here very often. And I think what like I, I, I almost wonder if people are learning the wrong lessons from Mahomes, right? Which sounds crazy because everyone's like, yeah, the lesson from Mahomes is you need a baller at quarterback. And I'm like, no, if that baller is Patrick Mahomes, you need Patrick Mahomes. But the level that you have to get to is he's one of one. So if you think Caleb, for instance, is capable of making that one of two, you do it. But I think the lesson is more of look at the other teams who get there. Look at the other teams who, who have had success recently. They have more well-rounded rosters. Pat erases so much that no other quarterback can. Right. And so I would rather have the multiple picks over multiple years here to build up the roster. It's a theory. I don't know that I fully believe it, but I also don't think it's def- It's like unviable. No, look, and I think people get the wrong they get the wrong view of mock drafts. Like, the point of doing a mock draft isn't necessarily so every mock draft is exactly the same. Now, we're kind of at the point of the year where we're predicting mocks instead right. of just kind of, like, saying, hey, this is what we would do or here. Or like, oh, Right, you're starting to get information, you're that, talking to people. That mock draft that I did a couple of weeks ago was one of the last mock drafts that I'll kind of do where it's like, hey, this is sort of what I'm hearing, but it's also a little bit of what would this look like if something like this happened. A lot of mock drafts that I'll do from this point on will be kind of predicting what might end up happening. And I think to the people out there that might be listening to this, yes, it's it's more it's more likely that if they want a quarterback, they're probably just going to stick it to and take sure. whoever is at number two. But to your point, if, if they don't believe that any of these guys are necessarily a Mahomes level – Go build the roster the way that you need to, right? Especially with a lot of the turnover that they've had, the way that they handled the trade deadline, the things that they need to, to do to improve, I think, both trenches specifically. Yes. Um, this this is probably something that's going to take a little bit of time. And you've got a new coaching staff in there as well. They're going to want to get their new guys in there. The best way to do that is through the draft. And I think you can set yourself up for a great situation over the next couple of years to have a lot of top 50 picks and create that team and really start that winning window probably in you know the beginning stages of 2025, 2026, and only getting better and more open from that. And point. to be clear, uh, in the trades that Trevor pulled off here, uh, pulled off, he was negotiating with himself. Great job by, <laughs> yeah, you, thank by the way. You. I appreciate uh, it. It you, was tough. You modeled that trade down to... 12, the initial trade, the first of the two, after one that Adam Peters was involved in, the Trey Lance trade, yes. and the Niners traded up right. uh, with the Dolphins, however many years ago that was, to get to three and ultimately took Lance. Obviously, that didn't work out, except for they made the Super Bowl anyway because they built out the roster, so, you know, who knows. The the, the paths are not straight this time of year, yes. uh, nor will they be for the next couple of years. Let's talk about the players themselves, then, that we're talking about here, then. Let's let's double click on McCarthy. Where are you at with him? Where do you rank him? And like, what's the gap? Assuming that he's QB four, uh, that's you mocked him fourth. Right. Uh, what? How big is the gap for you between him and Daniels at three? Yeah, I, I have I have JJ McCarthy at QB four, and I'll be honest, I liked McCarthy a lot more than I thought I was going to. I, I watched. That seems him, to be the consensus I of guys that are like watching film on him, him. this past summer, uh, for summer scouting, and I was like, man, this guy is far from what you need him to be to be an NFL quarterback. In 2022, his first year as a starter, it's, it was kind of the same story. Like, Michigan doesn't really demand a lot of him. They didn't right. do that this year. They didn't do that last year. But even last year, 
the pocket presence was not great. He did not have a good feel for pressure. He was falling for all, all sorts of sim pressures, really didn't identify things post-snap. He was late to get to his reads. And so 2022, I was like, man, this guy is pretty far away from being an NFL quarterback. This year, all of those things got better. Now, not to say that they were perfect, but when all of those things improved the way that we saw from him this year, plus a lot more confidence as well, that makes me think, all right, you're one of the younger prospects in this class. You have two years of starting experience for a heralded quarterback coach in Jim Harbaugh. You understand a baseline of what it takes to run an offense that looks like an NFL offense. We can build off of that. And that makes me think this is a guy that you take in the first round. When you take into account the arm talent that he has, it's not like a crazy elite arm, but it's a good arm. As long as he can get bigger and stronger, I think the arm can get a little bit faster, a little bit more powerful. He's got that added mobility to him. So I like J.J. McCarthy a decent amount. He is somebody that I would absolutely take. I, I would be comfortable with him at the back end of the first round, but we know that that's not how the NFL works. Right. You need a quarterback, you're probably going to take one. The teams need a quarterback, guess where they pick? In the top 15. So I think he'll probably end up going top 15 <laughs> when it is all said and done. And I do like that investment. I really do. So, look, if you got to plop him in there week one and start him in the NFL, yeah, he's probably going to struggle. He's just not used to being that commanding presence of an offense where Michigan didn't ask him to throw the ball a ton. They just asked him to be a really good game manager. And I know game manager, people hate that word. Like, people think that that means you can't right. play. But that's they, just kind They of, want a title. He managed just fine. And, 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 and I think that his arm is more capable of being that potential takeover type of passer in certain situations when you need him to be. Maybe not, again, maybe not week one of his rookie year, right. but I think that he can get there. So, you know, when it comes to the gap between him and Daniels or May, when I went through film, it's very clear to me that Caleb is tier one. He is, he is the number one quarterback in this class. I also thought that it's very clear that Drake May is QB2. Okay, we'll circle back to him in a second. And then I have Jaden Daniels after him and then J.J. McCarthy. And honestly, like, Jaden might be closer to McCarthy than I think that he is to May. But it doesn't seem like everybody in the NFL agrees with me there. So it seems like those opinions are kind of all over the place. But I don't believe it's this, oh, if Washington does not get one of either Drake May or Caleb Boy or uh, Drake May or Jaden Daniels, there's no chance that they're going to draft any other quarterback. I think there's a lot of really good ones in this class. So let's you're not the first person to sit in that chair and say that, uh, which I feel like is a very that being that uh, McCarthy is closer to Daniels than Daniels is to May. Um, that that Drake really seems to have buffered himself number two. Like he's behind so. Caleb, but he is definitively ahead of Jaden. And there was a lot of Jaden Daniels momentum uh, building there for a couple weeks after the season. And it made sense. Like he was the Heisman Trophy winner. He, he was awesome to close out the year. Um, and like frankly, his tape is there's really good stuff on it. Like yes. he plays on time a lot. Like he's decisive with the football. The running stuff is insane. You're talking May or you're talking Daniels? Daniels. Yeah. Like the deep ball stuff. He's the best deep ball thrower in the class. Uh, and and that stuff is He has some good guys to throw to. Yeah. He has some good guys to throw to. But like there's times those dudes are running wide open and he hits them in stride. Yeah. And like that's uh, yeah. all you can ask yeah. for yeah. on those take throws. It away from him for sure. So like there's that on tape. But then there's the stuff that Drake has on tape, which is equally as good. And there's some bad stuff with him, but there's some bad stuff with Daniels too. Why do you think, though, as, as people have dived deeper into this process, that that gap seems to be widening on the kind of the consensus to being May versus, you know, Daniels having momentum a couple of weeks ago? I think first and foremost, May's got a better arm. 
like very clearly, I think he has a better arm. I think he's got better velocity on his throws. I, can, I think he can comfortably throw with distance um, more better than, than Jaden can. Not that Jaden can't hit the deep ball. I think that Jaden's arm is plenty adequate for the NFL level, but I think Mays is even like a step above that, especially when it comes to velocity. Like velocity I've, I've heard the Herbert comp. Is that fair? Is yeah, it too much? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's... Because <sighs> Herbert... Herbert will throw darts through people. It's, it's hard to say that right now because Herbert is viewed as a top-five quarterback in the league. And so right. there are things that May has to improve upon. I think that he's way too inconsistent. But if you go back to what Justin Herbert was coming out of Oregon, I think it's fair to comp what Drake May is right now versus okay. what Justin Herbert was coming out of And in terms of arm of talent, yes. he's there? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think that Herbert's arm is probably a little bit better, but I do think that May has a fantastic arm, specifically when it comes comes to a lot of the tight window throws from 10 to 19 yards, that intermediate part of the field. Mm. To the sideline, he's able to rip those throws all the way in between coverages. If the corner's in a shallow zone, if the uh, safeties are in a deep zone, he's able to hit that hole between that coverage very, very quickly, very, very easily with a ton of pace to it. And also, there's no doubt about it, May is the most experienced intermediate, middle-of-the-field thrower of any quarterback in this class. Okay. He has the most big-time throws of anybody from 10 to 19 yards over the middle of the field between the numbers. He has the most attempts, the most dropbacks. He, I mean, he is just not afraid at all of throwing over the middle. And when you have a guy who is comfortable and experienced and successful throwing over the middle, it unlocks so much of what you can do with the rest of your passing offense. Because a lot of guys here in this league, like, for example, Michael Penix is somebody who I really like Michael Penix's arm. He does not have a lot of experience throwing over the middle. They just don't ask him to do it at Washington. And when you are primarily this outside-the-numbers type of a thrower, sure, a lot of your throws are high difficulty and, and they're great throws, but if you don't make the defense keep you honest over the middle of the field, I mean, you are allowing them to just hone in on that side of, of, of the field and, and using the, the, the boundary as a defender. And so I just think that... May's ability and comfort level, confidence, attacking over the middle of the field does not get talked about enough, even when it's between just him and Daniels. I think he does it in a better way. If you were to pick a like someone else in the quarterback room with a Drake May, let's say it's Washington, like do you, how much would you value like going and signing a veteran? Because this again gets into the other I think interesting discussion of the week here of like what do you do with Howell? Right, you just have three yeah. quarterbacks in the room. Yeah, do you trade him? Like whatever. Like it, it. One, do you need someone who can start week one because Drake isn't ready? Two, how much would you value? I know this might be hard for you because you, I don't think, have had a chance to uh, interview Drake May in a combine style or right. whatever interview. And this is something that they're going to have to get out of it. But yeah. like, in terms of the projection, the best you can is he ready to start week one? And would you like be really, really looking for another veteran quarterback to put in the room with him? I think he can start week one, especially because he started for the last two years at UNC. So he's got two full years as a starter. And it, let's face it, if you're taking him at number two overall, I mean, he's, he, he's going to start week one. I mean, that's probably. probably just the way that it is. I think you're in a situation where you could start Sam early on, but you know, that's not a great environment for Sam, knowing that you just drafted a quarterback number two overall, knowing that the only reason why you're getting the starting nod to start the year is just because, ah, let's give How or let's give uh, let's give May a little bit of time. That's not a great environment for Hal. I don't think it's a great environment to probably showcase his best stuff. He probably won't be that motivated. And uh and, and that's not like nothing against him. Like it's just, that that ultimately creates a really tough situation for him. So 
I think if, if your plan is to draft a quarterback at number two, and if it's, if it's Drake May at number two, in a perfect world, I don't know if the timelines would line up for this, you probably go get maybe some kind of a veteran, and then honestly you probably try to trade Sam because he's coming yeah. off a year where if Washington didn't have the number two overall pick, let's say that they had a pick that was middle of the first round. You're probably rolling into next year with Sam Howell as your starting right. quarterback. If he had played right? well enough that they were there, then, right. like, right. yeah, that's the thing. They, he just was so, and I don't think this is all on him by any stretch, they were just so bad down the stretch right. that they, right. that they right. played them way out of Sam into the number two pick. And I think that, I think that you can convince a team to give you a draft pick certainly higher than the one that it took you to draft him. Right. For a trade, either before or after the draft, you know, a team that needs a quarterback that didn't, that wasn't able to get one night one of draft night, you could probably trade Sam Howell to them for thir- a third, a fourth round pick, something like that, from what he showed last year. And if you keep him and start him week one, just to then give his job to May, I, I, I don't know if he'll play well enough to actually keep that trade value that high. Right. And so. what happens if he's good? Like that, and that's like a good problem to have, but that's a problem. Like if right, he goes out and right, plays well, it's right. like and I just drafted his kid number two, that. and now and I now don't what? think they want that. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like a less than a suboptimal situation. Yeah, uh, which is you know kind of been the norm at quarterback, but we don't need to dig up old wounds. Uh, Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus, with us for another few minutes here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, with a man of your uh, deep draft knowledge, I'd be remiss if I did just talk quarterback in this number two pick. So, um, the tackle class. What is the diff? Like, if we're trying to make predictions of things that we think are 100 percent true right now, Washington has those top five, you know, or five top 100 ish picks. Yeah, right. I feel very confident in saying I would be surprised, and I don't. I guess I could just go there. But they are not going to pick at those five spots. They're going to package something and move somewhere in the first three rounds, right? So, what's the difference tackle wise? between and maybe even defensive end wise between the end of the first round and the beginning of the second in other words if they were to try to package 36 and 40 to trade back up to i'm just throwing out a random number here i don't even know who the team is 23 22 what kind of player are we talking about at 23 22 at either tackle or edge versus two players at 36 and 40 yeah i think um for tackle i think that it would be more of a drop off than edge because i think around the top 20 you're talking about guys like Tyler Guyton, Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, uh, maybe a Jordan Morgan type of a player. Like Those guys, I think, are now in play if you trade up somewhere between 20 and 25 to get an offensive tackle that can really, really help you out. I think Tyler Guyton's a really great guy to invest in. Um, I was a little skeptical after watching his film just because it's all over the place, but he's such a good athlete, and I watched him in Mobile. He is a competitor man I mean like this is dude this is a dude who wanted to go up against the best every single practice he was so pumped up every time that he had a rep that was good and he was also pumped up when he had a rep that was bad like you could tell like he was motivated like he was pissed he couldn't wait back he couldn't wait to get back out there for another one-on-one to kind of like prove himself and get a better rep out there so uh, highly competitive dude really liked the fact that a team could invest in him to be a starting offensive tackle I think the same could be said for Marius Rims and GC Latham that, that I mentioned there the drop-off to tackle though if you get into that second round yeah, there's some 
offensive tackles, but a lot of these guys are kind of like these tweener players that might have been tackles that are probably going to get kicked inside, like Troy Fanton now from from uh, from Washington, Graham Barton from Duke, uh, yeah. maybe Kieran Amagaji from from Yale. Like these are guys who played tackle who might be better on the interior. So to me, if you need an offensive tackle, if you're looking to package one up to get into that first round, that's a good spot to do that. Defensive end, I think there's a handful of edge rushers that you could really like at the beginning of the second round um, that. I don't think that you would have to trade up into the first round to think, oh, wow, we're really missing out on this guy because a Chop Robinson, an, an Adiza Isaac, both those guys from Penn State, uh, Jonah Ellis from Utah, um, you know, like just, just, just players like that where I think those guys could be available at the top of the second round where you'd be fully happy with that and they could be starting caliber um, edge players and you just you don't have to trade up for those kinds of guys. All right, last thing for Trevor Sikkim. I'm asking all the draft guys this question. Forget round, value, whatever. Just straight up, you're flipping through the tape and you're like, I want to watch someone. The last three players have sucked. I want joy in my life. <laughs> Who is your favorite player in this draft? Oh, man, there's, there's a lot of guys that, that I have really, really enjoyed watching in this draft. The cornerback group especially has been so much fun for me to watch, and uh, I'll take the guy that I seem to be higher on than, than a lot of other people. I'll say Cooper DeGene, the cornerback from Iowa. His tape is just a joy, man. I mean, whether they line him up outside, whether they put him close to the slot, he'll come up and tackle a running back. He'll come up and tackle a, a tight end. He'll lock down an outside wide receiver. If they play him a little bit further in off coverage, almost like this like way off either cover three or quarters assignment, He'll perfectly time out the space that he has between the receiver. He'll bait the quarterback. He'll make a he'll make a break on the ball. He'll get an interception. He's had a ton of interceptions over the last couple of years, and he turns into an incredible playmaker once he gets the ball in his hands. So um, I see the smile on your face. Like this, this is genuine right now. I mean, I, I get, love this dude. Kid. I I I've comped his game to the way that Jalen Ramsey has been used in the NFL at times as like this ultimate chess piece of like, yeah. hey, is it most advantageous for you to play in the slot this week? That's what we're gonna do. Is it most advantageous to play outside? Okay, there you go. Is it most advantageous for you to play on the back end and take away a lot of their deep shot stuff? Okay, there we go. And so it's like that kind of a football player gets me really, really excited. So I think DeGene is awesome. Unfortunately, he's not working out because of a leg injury that he suffered in the season. I think he'd be great here in Indianapolis. So we'll have to wait to see his athletic numbers at his pro day. But he's somebody who – the cornerback class has been great overall, but he is somebody who I watched, and I gave him a top-10 grade. He's a top-10 player for me and somebody wow. that, uh, that I absolutely love. All right, that's Trevor Sikkim Pro Football Focus. Of course, read him on PFF's website. Uh, he's all over their podcasts. And uh, every once in a while, I look up, and I, I see that beard and well-manicured hair on NFL Network, too. I appreciate you getting that, TV it, stuff. It's always a good time. I, I love I love chopping it up with those guys. They're fantastic. They obviously covered the league so, so well, yeah. so it's always great to link up with them. Trevor Sikkim, everybody. More from Radio Row next here on The Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And for the first time today, I've got the camera, Anthony, as we stream live on YouTube. Uh, we don't. Anthony is sadly not on YouTube with us today uh, because the internet situation here in Indy is uh, not supportive of that many video components. But I have the camera in the solo position. We actually don't have a guest for the first time. Uh, basically, I'll show Except for one other segment. Are you saying? I didn't even bother to move. I didn't even bother to move the camera. It, do, it does feel lonely. Um, it does feel a little lonely. Is I that mean, Scott and, Jackson in the background? No, no, Scott Scott Jackson's not in the background. That's that's JP Finley in the oh, background. I did. I did I, he was next. Oh, it was Mitch. Okay, because I know and JP. Kerwin, and Kerwin's back there uh, as well. Uh, the cameraman from NBC Four. Everyone now. Everyone's waving. Ah, hi, hi, everybody. 
yep. behind behind us. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at here. Um, what's funny is is it looks kind of busy because those those three fine gentlemen are still here, um, and then the literally every other table that I touch is empty. There's one, two, three, four tables per row. Uh, in the in the three rows, like there, there's one, two, three, and then there's kind of a break, and then there's another one, two, three rows. Uh, we are the only two tables where there are humans on them this time of day. Wow. I wish I wish I had more uh, camera control that I could I could pan around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it empties out here uh, about about four or five o'clock about the time that we get going. It everyone yeah. else is shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Busy in here during the day. Me. Yeah. Not to life. I mean, hey, we'll take it. I can say whatever I want. People yep. are not going to turn their heads. My guy Robert Mays uh, is over there doing the athletic football podcast. Uh, so that's there is some stuff happening. Uh, Solak, who was on with us yesterday, looks like the Ringer boys are getting ready to to, to pop something up. So there's 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 stuff happening here. Um, but but there's only like two live radio shows, and we're it's us and us and uh, my boy Q is going to think going to join us um, later in the week uh, from Las Vegas. So. Yeah, you want to pop on? Sure. I can. I can put the camera back in a two-person position. Uh, we've got JP Finley uh, sitting down with us here. They should just put you in charge of this. Like, if you could do all this yourself here, <laughs> why? Like, that's an all-fair conversation. Yeah, JP. I was like, please don't get us in trouble or create more work for me because yeah, it yeah, seemed yeah, like sure. we were heading down one of those two paths. Um, Who so was he, sitting here previously? They were very short. Uh, it was. It was Nikki. Okay. She was the most recent live guest. Okay. It just Got now it. spoiled to the audience that Trevor Sycamore was earlier, but that's uh, fine. Sorry. It's I also okay. don't think he's short. No, Trevor's not. Although it did, it was kind of funny. The, he sat down and we were setting things up, and I was like, why do you look short on camera next to me? Like, it, the angle was off or something. The angle's Trevor's off, not. if anybody's asking. I'll sit up straight. Yeah, yeah. here, I'll, I'll sit back and do this. Yeah, no, uh, we're good. It's, it's we're like good. when, you know, as you know from being a TV person that you are, you put you put the taller guy a couple couple feet sure, back, sure. and then you're, then you're kind of You know the real trick that, like, and I'm not, I don't mean this in jest, but a lot of times it, it can be both men or women. Right. But especially if you're covering like NBA and stuff, they just right. get everybody a box to stand on. Oh, yeah, of course. A box. Is My key. guy Adam Amin is uh, vertically challenged, and Adam's, Adam does the box thing when he works with Schlereth because Mark is a mountain in the of a booth? man. Yeah, because like. They give if, him that one, two shot like for yeah, 30 because, seconds in the second quarter. Right. But like, it, I mean, also, I think it just it helps him see the field better. Yeah, oh, that's um, true. I can see that. But like, he, Mark is a. Mountain sure. of a man, big fella. I didn't I, like. I had not met Mark in person until this year. I talked to him before, Super whatever. Um, actually, no. I went to visit Adam in the booth, and and Mark was there, and I was just like, right, you were an NFL offensive lineman. He's got three rings, dude. Yeah, like, and you know that, but in, you, in it, the nineteen knee surgeries, he was also he was also telling me one time we were taping a podcast. He's like, yeah, I was benching today, hitting like four fifty, and I'm like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, no yeah. wonder, no wonder you're still a mountain of a man. And Adam, Adam is not a uh, mountain of mountain of humanity. Love that guy, but not not a large human being. We got Ant. Is Ant here? Ant's, Ant's back in studio. What's up, What's up JP? Ant? How you doing, dude? I'm great. Fantastic. Come so back here's break. here's what we're gonna do with uh, with this segment. Like, what's the most interesting thing? Because Ant's been listening to obviously the, the folks sitting in that chair live and taped with me today. And I was gonna ask him uh, what the most interesting thing he heard from any of the interviews that we did. But you've had your own set of interviews at, at, you know, on your show and on your podcast. Like, what's the most interesting thing someone told you? Uh, I'll even go for you, especially this week. Um, you know, one thing that isn't news, but in the world of like anything is news. I talked to Rick Spielman today yeah, and I just wanted to like, kind of, it's fairly obvious, but like, he's no longer working with the commanders, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was a search team. They found their targets. Um, 
Talking to him, though, about the NFLPA stuff as a dude that has run a building, you know what I mean? This guy's been a GM for close to 20 years. And just his belief that they would, that the Harris Group will get that right. What else is he going to say? But, like, he also chose to work with those people. Like, I I just, I believe that. Right. Um, And it. It's just funny how, dude. I remember being here last year when that report came out, and Ron it felt was like a furious. bombshell went off. Dude, I, I can't remember. It was either me and Nikki, or me and Standig, or maybe the three of us were walking down the hallway, um, towards the J Dub with Ron, and he was. That's how you know you're furious. a combine man, by the way. Is uh, you're calling it the J Dub? Yeah, um, the, you've been to too many of these things. It's it's a, it's a fun week, but um, he was furious. Yeah, and he's like, we worked so hard on this stuff, and you know, at that point in time, they weren't even up. Well, they, they were up for, they sale. Were for sale. Right, right. I'm yeah. trying to get my years right. But yeah. they were um the Harris group hadn't bought like we didn't know it was going to be that. Totally, right. And I think at that point in time they were coming off a disappointing I guess 7 and 8 and 9. Yeah. And it was like, man, if we could just get the quarterback right, we're going to try with Howell. That was like Howell time. Like right. the, the, Ron being fired at that point in time wasn't really on the radar and because of that, it was like he was trying to build his program to where he wanted it, and that's why he was so mad. Just think about how different that is in a well, year. Well, it's funny because, like, I guess it wasn't on the radar for him, but, like, I think all of us knew that when a new owner came in that it was pretty likely. It felt because, a little like, lame ducky. Yeah, and, and I think the thing is, and not to, like, go back and just start bashing Ron for the sake of it, but, like, to draw the contrast is, like, he was bad at that stuff. And, and I think people, like, he tried really hard and he cared about it. But there's a lot of things like I could try really hard to make the NBA, and I really like playing basketball. Right, right, right. There's no shot that I'm going over to I'm going to go to the Pacers game tonight. Apparently, uh, Gora's got got some tickets for us, which is great. Um, but I'm going to sit in the stands because right. I'm not good enough to play NBA basketball. And like Ron is obviously much closer to being an NFL head coach than I am an NBA basketball player. Um, but well, he was one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, that, I don't think that's ever going to be something you Doc say about Walker, me. Doc Walker though speaks highly of your hoops game. You should know that. Uh, yeah, we shot it when uh, when Ant absolutely destroyed Linnell. Uh, we had a long time to wait for Linnell, so we shot around. I, a little I bit remember. It, I watched the whole video, and I have a very Thank short attention span, and I watched the whole thing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but point the point is, Ron, for as much as he cared about culture and and gave it the lip service, and and maybe genuinely like gave it the effort, he wasn't very good at it. Both in the locker room, I heard you talking about this on your show that. earlier. Like the locker room was a lot more sideways than I think people realize. Now he was good at keeping that relatively in house, um, but it definitely was not a good locker room by the end of the year. And I think like when you talk about building camaraderie in the building, like he was better at like the staff feeling respected and, and, and that kind of stuff, which was a definite draw. Less different frat from, house, right? Like for that sure, thing was a frat right. house for a while, right? And then it was and, a. And it, and it wasn't. It was a professional, it was a professional operation. operation right? But it wasn't like some thriving culture that was going to breed success either. No, 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 no. And, and I think, you know, you got to fire your DC. There's problems with your OC. Like, it just, it it went sideways, clearly. Um, but, yeah, as far as the most interesting, because there's almost this sole focus on who the quarterback's going to be at number two, and everybody you talk to is going to have a different opinion about what the quarterback yes. should be at number two, like – it, everything else just kind of seems secondary, you know? Right. And today, this NFLPA thing, I even think, like, fans understand is like, a different scenario right. because of ownership change and they just got here. And, um, I, you know, it, 
it's been fun and you get the contacts and the, and a lot of nuance and information, but there's not there's not like a real big buzz. I think until maybe the QBs talk. Or, or QB's honestly, talk, and then I, th- I think the other one is, like, when they go throw, if McCarthy starts ripping the ball over the field, like, that is something that I feel has started to pick up steam. And there's some guy. I've had two different analysts independently say, on you know, on record sitting in that chair you're in right now, I think that McCarthy is closer to Daniels than Daniels is to May. And then I've had other people be like, watch the tape. Daniels is better than May. And you're like, yeah. It's, it's, that's how subjective it is. Totally. And, and I mean, that's the nature of it, right? And that's what makes it so compelling, and that's what makes it such crapshoot, is that you really don't know. Um, but it, it's going to be I, – I know this, and I think I just said this on the podcast, but um, flying out here Monday, I thought Daniels was the pick. And I'm not saying like what I would do, but just what I thought they were going to do. Now it's Wednesday night. I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But the thing is, I don't think they know. I agree. And I think like, the interviews are going to matter. If you look at totally. whether whether or not Ben Johnson screwed them is is debatable, but the interviews clearly matter just 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 because the the contextual clues they were giving out during the coaching search process changed a lot after their first interview with Quinn because the interview mattered because right. and honestly, if you think about Ron, who kind of had this like stoicism to him, a respected professional stoicism, right, like. You almost kind of need Quinn, who's just like this. He's like a shot of espresso. Like he's just like a ball of energy. And and I think the building needed some energy. Um, so, like his personality was right at the right time for them. And I'm curious if one of these kids tonight or tomorrow, when they talk to him, could be the same. Right. You're looking for that perfect pairing that you've got in other places. And like I really do. One one of the things that you know, especially doing the pod with Logan, like he's is he not out here. Uh, he gets in tonight, oh, so he's he's out here. We'll be we'll be taping a couple of take command stuff or a couple of take command segments and pods and stuff tomorrow before I head out. We only cross one day uh, because I'm here for the media and he's here for the workouts. And right. so is he I'll here last. like coaching kids? Or? Uh, no, he's here. He's here doing stuff with the commanders. Okay. So um, he'll be doing analysis for for their web, uh, you know, all their YouTube stuff. But one of the things that I think I've really come to appreciate more doing the pod with him and kind of sitting in the, the opinion seat that I sit in now versus uh, the reporter seat that I sat in where you kind of almost can't see the forest through the trees is like how important that fit element is not just schematically, but like personality wise, the, the muse, if you will, right? Like Mahomes and Reed are a perfect fit for each other. Right. Neither of them is as good without the other because there's a creativity to Pat that is totally unlocked by Reed and the, the maybe flaws in the way that Andy thinks about football being very pass happy, et cetera, are covered by the fact that there is nothing better you can do in right. the sport than give the ball to Pat Mahomes and tell him to go. I think Brady and Belichick were perfect muses for each other. Where, for a while. Well, and it took 20 years to deteriorate and, right. you know, whatever. But, like, you know, as Edelman put it, you know, we worked for Bill. We played for, for Tom. That worked. And I think, like, even Goff and, and um, Campbell, Campbell. Yeah. like, they're great. That, that grit that they have. Stafford like and McVay thing. might be, too. Like, that might have worked out for all parties. Right? 100%. And so, like, when you talk about that shot of energy and DQ, like, we all think of it. It's like, oh, it's Cliff. It's Cliff. It's Cliff at the quarterback. Like, Carol and Wilson worked for a while because they had like this energy about them that that just worked until obviously ten years later and it, and it didn't. Well, and dude, if you like, think about the the names you rattled off there, only the McVay, Stafford, and Reed Mahomes was play caller, right? Quarterback. Like, I mean, Bill was a defensive guy. Campbell didn't call the plays. Pete certainly not. Right. Another defensive guy. So I, I think 
we got so warped into this. They got to find the play caller to be the head coach and like be the right offensive mind. And I, I think we worked ourselves into that too much. And it's it the rest it of the league does not like when you talk to league people without microphones and lights. They're like, no, that's that's not yeah that that is not the end all right. But I think that that idea of amuse, like who's yeah. the guy that DQ's like that's my guy because that's the guy I want here, and right. they'll they'll make it work. If you have the play caller, it's a hell of a lot easier because that is really important. Like, right. scheme matters in this league, but it doesn't matter as much as, like, like I guess scheme is fungible. Scheme can be worked to the strengths and weaknesses of a player. And, by the way, if you don't do that, you're never succeeding. Totally. And I think we saw that. Yeah. I, and, by the way, uh, you know, number two pick-wise, uh, D'Amico and Stroud, I think they, they get along quite well. Seems like they do okay. Uh, yeah. Last year. Uh, B. Mitch and Finley, are you, you doing the show from here tomorrow one more? I'm here uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. I actually – uh, B, if you're listening, I have to leave a little early. I didn't realize. I thought my flight was at 3.40, and my flight's at 2.40. Oh, so uh, you have B, Mitch, and Finle tomorrow <laughs> uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Also, uh, he and, and Mitch Tischler just recorded a Beltway football podcast, which I crashed a part of because there was a lot of gym talk, and I felt yeah, like my Yeah, jumped right in there. It was great. was needed, uh, so we, we hopped on that, uh, so check that out. A uh, real quick edition of Real Things next to wrap up the show, and then Maryland Hoops tonight here on the Terps. Team 980. Go Turtles. It's the Hoffman Show. We are live on Radio Row on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Streaming live on YouTube. Radio Row is in the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, tomorrow's show, Doc Walker, I believe, is in, right? Uh, and Doc or Linnell tomorrow? It's Doc's in, Doc. right? Yeah, Doc is winning. Yeah, the DOC in tomorrow. It is a short show. Uh, Maryland uh, Lady Hoops against uh, Wisconsin, I believe, tomorrow night uh, here on the Team 980. That is a 5:45 start time uh, on the pregame. So, uh, Doc, in for you uh, tomorrow as I'm flying back from Indy. But fr- Friday will feel like we're in Indy still because we have a ton of stuff that we're taping tomorrow morning. Uh, we actually taped with Andrew Siciliano uh, earlier today. That didn't wind up uh, making the show because we're we're short today as well. Uh, Maryland men's hoops tonight uh, here on the Team 980 pregame starting in seven and a half minutes. Um, so we got a great, great chat with Siciliano, uh, on Friday. Uh, we're scheduled to catch up with Tom Pelissero tomorrow. Uh, NFL Network is going to try to get us Charles Davis, who we were supposed to have today, and Charles' schedule got a little jacked up and unfortunately couldn't join us, but, uh, he is back on Radio Row tomorrow, so hopefully we'll get Charles. Um, and Nate Tice, uh, from The Athletic, uh, is talking to me and Logan for Take Command. We might air that on Friday. So we have a ton of stuff still coming to you from Indy on Friday, plus whatever news breaks between now and then. Uh, but Doc with you tomorrow. Um, other than that, and any, uh, any other housekeeping we should do here? Uh, I think that's everything. Okay. Uh, you're excited for real things because you've, you found some gems. So let's, uh, let's do real things, real people sending real microphones, shall we? Real things. We're not gonna suck this year. Real people. Five and eleven. Not very good. Set into real microphones. You know the culture is actually damn good. All right, Anthony. Uh, as it as it goes, uh, when I'm in remote land, when I'm not in studio, uh, you get to drive, sir. Uh, where where do you want to go? Our, uh, I think we can start off with Max Struess's game winner. Uh, yesterday against the Mavericks, um, here was the radio call from Cle- from Cleveland. All we need Cleveland. is the deflection. Pass deflected by Mobley, but grabbed by Doncic. Doncic bounced underneath the PJ, and he laid it in with two points. Hold on, and pause that there. Um, that's so funny. All we need is a deflection. They get the deflection, then they give up the go-ahead basket. Dallas up. <laughs> Cleveland needs a prayer. 
Cavs out of timeout. Spruce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! The Cavaliers had 2.6. They were out of timeouts. Spruce let it fly. Spruce hit nothing but net. Spruce on the loose with the game winner. <laughs> That's a great radio call. That's like the right mix of energy capturing what happened because it's the radio and it's not TV and you need to tell people what actually happened and also hometown flavor. Bordering on homerism, maybe even crossing into homerism, that A-plus good work. Nah, he killed it. He, it gave me vibes of the uh, the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play um, -play announcer because that dude is so animated and he's so like descriptive in terms yeah. of like what's going on in the game. They gave me that, that vibe. Was, that was really, really good. Excellent work. Good pull. Good producing. One for one, Anthony Haney. Number two, uh, I, I think you told me, comes from the land of real things. Like, a real person to that into a real microphone? Yep. That's ESPN's first take. But the Pelicans got a lot of players. I mean, they got two big offensive players. The kid Murphy can shoot. McCallum didn't even play. Mm -hmm. They can play some defense if they have to. You like the Travis Kelsey lookalike and Vashalunas. Let's right. throw him in there too. Yep. And I'll let Andy <laughs> take over. He, he is a Travis Kelsey lookalike. They're they, 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 brothers. They, 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 uh, exactly right. And Alan Hahn said that. that to, well, uh, I've been saying it for years. No, it was Hahn who said. So uh, I don't want to get their parents anything. together, and we got we got to investigate that tree. They look like oh, they that's unbelievable. Unbelievable how they look. Oh, yes, the seven-foot-one Lithuanian guy is definitely uh, secret brothers with the Kelseys. Vashalunas. Vashal and they just blow past the fact that he doesn't know any of the names. He couldn't say Caleb Williams' name early on the show either. I'm just like, God. Also, he dang. called it C.J. McCollum. McCallum, like yeah. he's Irish. <laughs> oh, that C.J. McCallum, he's, uh, he's an excellent guard. Yeah, what are we doing? I, I don't know what got into uh, to Scottish. Me, yeah, it's more Scottish than Irish. Anyway, the point is, his name's C.J. McCollum. Yeah, I, I don't know, oh, but man. it is crazy how it, it is actually scary how much Travis and um, Violet Jr. look alike. They do definitely. Like, I get it, I get it, but also, I mean, I don't know. Is Kelsey is Lithuanian? Yeah, uh, but that's my honestly, Aunt. One of my favorite wacky bits is NFL and NBA players standing next to each other because you think NFL dudes are huge and then they look like peanuts Man, standing next to NBA small. guys because NBA got like six seven is like an average NBA guy and that mm -hmm. is the tallest dude in the NFL yep and he's a lineman right right I will say one of the few human beings that is like NBA big that I've ever encountered in the NFL was Super Bowl week when Jonathan Ogden came on set that man is, oh my God, yeah, he is large. Giant. He's a giant. He is a, yeah, he was big. Um, but you see like big honking linebacker that you're like, <laughs> that's a big dude. And then you see him next to a point guard. And you're like, oh, yeah, the point guard's bigger. Yeah, Maybe not quite like as Zaire. thick. Like Zaire isn't that big. Compared to an NBA dude. Oh, yeah, compared to NBA. Compared guy. to me walking around. <laughs> yeah, got a got a little bit, a uh, couple extra inches on the biceps. <laughs> All right, that's our show. We'll see you Friday. Uh, I will. Dock in tomorrow. Uh, we're live in Indy.